Hi everyone and welcome to Leukemia Chatters, a podcast about blood cancer from Leukemia Care. Uh, today I'm joined by Zach. Hello. And Sam. Hello. So Sam is a, I was going to say a new face, but that doesn't make sense on a podcast. Uh, Sam's a new voice to um, our podcast. Um, though we still miss Kate and Chris. Hope you guys are listening. Um, so Sam, do you want to tell everyone a bit about yourself? Okay, I was diagnosed with AML in April 2016 and had a stem cell transplant in August 2016 and I'm now three and a half years post-diagnosis and three years in remission. Great. So the idea for today's podcast kind of came out of the boring Friday afternoon, is <laughs> it fair to say? We kind of brainstormed and thought, why don't we watch lots of TV and films? <laughs> Is that, is that right? Is that how it went down? I, I forget. I don't recall how it went down, Charlotte. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect Sunday afternoon activity to me. Um, so I'm pretty sure that you went, do you remember that Peep Show episode and then we ended up turning it into a podcast? But anyway, so today we wanted to talk about how leukemia and I guess cancer a bit more generally because inevitably it's going to be like one big thing, how it's represented in... I guess we've gone for fiction in particular, um, films, TV, books. We can't really talk about all of it, even though I tried to make a list. It ended up being about three pages. <laughs> but how do we feel about leukemia being talked about in fiction settings? Where do we want to start? Does anybody want to start with something, I don't know, a pet like, a pet hate in this area? <laughs> I guess one of the most interesting things for me, and this mm. was probably something that I hadn't necessarily clicked onto, mm. was how much of the time is leukemia that's used. Really? Um, so, I'm, so if you take cancer storylines, mm. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but leukemia is actually one of the cancers that in films and books, I'm not necessarily saying media, but in films and books, is you, you, leukemia is used a lot as one of the storylines. I find that too. Yeah. Yeah. And then See, the, I didn't the, notice that. Well, the number of things, if you like, there was the lists online of kind of cancer as storylines. Yeah. And I think I was talking to Justin about it, and so many of them on the list were leukemia stories. Um, he's, he's nodding off camera. <laughs> um, and it, it, it was quite interesting because sometimes it doesn't even really matter to the storyline mm-hmm. what they have. It's almost a throwaway line of, oh, they've got leukemia. Yeah. Um, but it was quite interesting how it's used that way. Mm. that's one of the so you say a throwaway story and one of the things I did notice is that so I got an IMDB list of films that supposedly contained leukemia storylines I noticed a few of them were just people in a story I can't remember the example there was one that I don't know whether it annoyed me slightly it made me feel a bit weird is these three girls sharing a pair of jeans I don't know why they were sharing the jeans, but each of them whilst wearing the jeans had some sort of epiphany in their life. And one of them was uh, looking after a girl with leukemia. And I'm like, so you've used, it slightly annoyed me that someone had used cancer to, to benefit this other person. Do you see what I mean? You get what I'm trying to say? Like they put cancer in as a, a way to get the storyline to fit what they wanted it to say. Um, I don't know. That kind of annoyed me a bit. Like leukemia is a side story and not as a 
Because it, I don't know, does it, it, I feel like it does consume That's people's lives. That's the travelling pants. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why that one really I feel very me. left out having not, having not seen clearly such a classic. I, I haven't seen it. It, came, it just came up in the list and I read what it was about and I'm like, I couldn't find in the Wikipedia page where leukemia was. And it came up as like a very minor storyline and I just, and it was as a side story to this. I thought, have you seen it? Am I misinterpreting it? You're not misinterpreting it. It's quite a while since I last saw it, but you're absolutely right. Mm. And you're also right about the books. They reference leukemia. They don't say what type. They don't say anything about diagnosis. They don't say anything about treatment, just that the person dies. I mean, happy story yeah. that is. Yeah, the, the girl, the, according to the Wikipedia page, the girl, oh, a bit of spoiler alert now, girl dies. Mm. But the focus of the story is that the woman learns something, something. from that death, but the person's died. I don't know. To me, it just feels and a that's bit... A, yeah, that's, that's the same. That seems to be a theme. Mm. I, I think it's one of the big things. You see this a lot in films, but also in the media. Somebody has cancer. Like, I, I, it might be from working in the sector, but when someone says someone has cancer, my first question is, what type of cancer? Yeah. Yeah. Like, cancer is obviously an umbrella term. The same with leukemia. Leukemia is an umbrella term. Um, I can understand sometimes like, news stories you might not want to go into some of the details of, if, mm-hmm. like, if it's a specific genetic subtype of leukemia or something, mm-hmm. you might not want to go into that. But saying broad terms that don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that certainly annoys me sometimes. Yeah. Well, I've I've had people ask me what what I was diagnosed with, and I've said leukemia, and um, and they said, well, you know, that's not a cancer, is it? Well, yes, it is. It's cancer of the blood. Oh, well, where is it then? Well, everywhere, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But people seem to not have this understanding of it that it's it's actually it is a cancer. Is because it's of- in the blood. It's one of the um, really good examples from TV and film. Um, one of my favorite. So, Peep Show. I watched in, it this morning. Yeah. yeah. In in the first ever episode of the Peep Show, there is there's a storyline about. Um, so, for anyone who's not seen it, that there's a woman who has leukemia, and there's a comment. She's uh, a comment made. Oh, well, at least you don't have cancer. Mm. Um, which obviously. We shouldn't I, I would, laugh, but I just know it's the Peep Show, so it's kind of hard not to. <laughs> I'd be fun. I'd be curious to know whether most people actually got the joke though. Yeah, like, is it most just people, a joke to us because we know what leukemia is? Or to, to most people, yeah, do most people get the joke that leukemia is a cancer? Like, because I wouldn't say that necessarily is known. No, because they didn't expand on it. It was just a very short skit, wasn't it? Really. And... Okay, so here's another thought. Thoughts on obviously you've probably got a different perspective to Zach Sam, but thoughts on cancer as a comedy within a comedy or that was actually literally the butt of the joke what what are your thoughts on that well it's not a joke is it no it's and there was there was no awareness attached to it there was no other information Mm -hmm. attached to it so i think it was just a mute point Mm -hmm. your thoughts my thoughts so there are some um cancer comedians which is a very niche Niche concept, but there's um, a guy called Toby Peach, for example, who does a story called Eulogy of a Peach. Um, and he has, yeah, he, t- he tells his story of uh, lymphoma, mm. um, I think in his early 20s, which he tells it from a kind of almost comedy angle rather than just telling the story of what happens. Um, so I, I think there the can be times when like, there, there can be almost kind of dark humour 
of some of the topics. But I do think you have to be very, very careful yeah. with using it in that sort of way as the butt of a joke. But I understand that coming from someone who actually yeah. has had it. As as you know, I joke about it all the time. You know, I make jokes about it because that's my coping mechanism and probably would be his also. It's, it's the way, it's his therapy kind of, if you like. But that's not the case for this peep show. Uh, it, for, you know, for that episode, it was, that wasn't the case. And I just, it really didn't sit well with me when I watched it. Yeah, that's fair enough. It really didn't. Because it's not funny. Mm. It's really not funny if you've been through it. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I've asked Zach what his least or most favourite. Do you have one? So oh, I remember you do have one and you told me. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> I have a least favourite. Yes. Um, so I've... My sister's keeper has been something that seems to have just been in my family, really, for the last 10 years. My daughter played, um, she played Anna in her GCSE drama. So I went and watched that. Is that before we were diagnosed? That was before I was diagnosed. Um, And I watched the film many times before I was diagnosed. And then I, I was asked to do this podcast and I thought, I need to read the book really, because I know that, you know, it would be more substantial in information. So I did. It's great that, that Kate lives. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant because that's probably the, the only time that I've ever seen someone with leukemia live in any books or any films. But it's the fact that her sister died on the day that she was given medical emancipation and, mm-hmm. and her organs were donated anyway. So she went through all of that for well, nothing really for her, but obviously for Kate, it was worth something. But that really didn't sit well with me. So we should probably explain My Sister's Keeper for context. Um, this is inevitably going to be full of spoilers, this thing, so I'm just going to ignore that. Um, so the premise of the story is there's, uh, I think she has APL, acute paramyositic yes. leukemia, yes, and they actually say that, which I quite like. Um, so yeah, there's... Kate is the one with APL, isn't mm-hmm. she? Um, and her parents have a baby by IVF, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure this is actually possible, but they design the baby to be a donor in yeah. all sorts of ways, but mainly in a bone marrow transplant um, for the sister. Um, and then the sister eventually decides to go to court over ownership of her own body, mm-hmm. um, which turns out was actually a decision made by Kate, the unwell sister, Mm -hmm. because Kate doesn't want to be treated anymore, um, which is a whole new angle to it. But So what you were talking about was the difference between the book and the film. Yeah. So remind which which way around is it? In the the film, Kate, Kate. who has leukaemia, dies. She dies, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Because she declines to have any further treatment. Yes. And in the book, which I haven't read... It's the other way around, and the yeah. other sister, Kate survives, and then her sister dies. Yeah, yeah. But the film is is something that most people will see. They won't generally pick up the book, maybe, and read it. So that's their view mm-hmm. of leukemia, because and it was a very big film as well. It, it was a very Cameron big film. Had Cam- yeah, it had Cameron Diaz yeah. in it, and mm-hmm. Jason, Jason Patrick. Do you know that is? No idea of us. Lost Boys. I've never so, seen that. That's something I need to see. That. That's, not, that's not about leukemia, but I should see that. So what do you think of the film then? 
Um, Both pre and post diagnosis. I found that the film, although yes, it did focus very much on Anna's fight for medical mm-hmm. emancipation, there was also quite a lot of Kate's story in there. Mm-hmm. The book isn't the same. So it's mostly focused on Anna. Sometimes when they dip into the past, it'll be conversations that they have with Kate or information that they have about Kate and what she's just been through or, you know, when she's relapsed and if she has to have granulocytes or something like that. So it's not really focused on Kate in the book, but it is a little bit more in the film. Mm. And you see as a good thing? It, I, I do, mm. because I think it's important... I mean, as somebody who's, who's had leukemia and has been through that, I've watched the film post-diagnosis. It's a lot harder, but I've watched it post-diagnosis and I can say, yeah, that does happen. That's exactly how that happens. And yes, they do do that. So it's, it, it's an accurate representation. And it doesn't, but it doesn't detract from the, the yeah. film itself. I personally think it's a good film. It is a good film. It is a good film. But having read the book now, I'm, I'm, there's just this disparity and I'm finding that a little bit hard to get my head around. I think, I think one of the things that we've not mentioned is, is the really interesting thing about films, media, books, whatever, is most people will themselves never experience leukaemia. Yeah. So their perceptions of what leukaemia is yeah. comes from watching books and films. Mm-hmm. So to a certain extent, it's actually really quite important that these things are accurate um, mm. because otherwise people's perceptions of what they are are completely skewed. Yeah. Um, one of the things, and this is kind of just a personal book, but one of the things that quite often annoys me is most leukemia storylines are about children. Yes. And whether that's books, films, a lot in the media as well. Um, yes, leukemia is the most common childhood cancer, mm-hmm. but equally I'd quite like to see some storylines about adult leukemia, yeah. whether that's chronic leukemias and what chronic cancers look like, or whether just... I, I understand they like the idea of adult adult acute leukemia. It's aggressive. It's more dramatic, probably, for a film. Um, I get that. And I, I get you add it with children and it get, becomes immediately very emotional. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's got children immediately finds it an emotional storyline, whether you've had personal experience of leukemia or not. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. But equally, I would quite like to see more realistic portrayals mm-hmm. in terms of Leukemia is much more common in adults. Mm. I would like to see some adult leukemia storylines. So interestingly, I was looking for... So leukemia is more common in people over the age of like 65, which very very rarely are those people of those age in films anyway. But I was looking for films that actually portrayed people of that age with leukemia. I found one. Uh, It was a Disney Channel film about a girl who swims with dolphins to get over the fact her dad's got uh, her granddad's got leukemia, so it's not even a main storyline. Yeah. It's like a a side thing, and it, that is another one where it's just like sidelines to to focus on sort of a more emotional storyline. I guess that's what they were going for. It, it may be that I'm not watching enough Disney Channel. I, must admit, I didn't I've watch it. I just found it on Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> when you're if you're talking about films, though, in terms of the more accurate age profile of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, the bucket list. So that's the one. It's not. I don't think it's leukemia. No. Um, but Morgan Freeman and is it Jack, Jack Nicholson? Nicholson. Um, it was, I've just recently watched that. What did you think? Um, don't, well, let me explain the comment. Yeah, pro- yes, context of the film. Yeah. Um, so the context of the film is Jack Nicholson uh, owns a hospital um, and makes a big public statement about the fact that it 
he's running a hospital, not a health spa. It should always be two beds to a room. So him and Morgan Freeman are then forced to share a hotel room. Um, and Morgan Freeman is a uh, mechanic and Jack Nicholson is very, very rich. Mm. And it, so it kind of does the two complete contrasts of a cancer experience and they go through everything in their, in their room together and then both are doing well. Yeah. And they decide to come up with a bucket list and go off around the world exploring mountains and j- jumping out of planes and stuff. Right? Yeah, so did um, some really that would things. never be on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done it, it would never be on my bucket list. <laughs> it's on um, mine, but it might take a while. <laughs> um, but so, I, well, so firstly, what did you think of the idea of a bucket list and going... There are a lot of bucket and, list style films. And particularly the things that are on that bucket list. So I have one. Um, and I don't think that you should have one because you've been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. I think that you should aspire to do these things throughout your life and set the time aside if you can and, you know, save up for it. Or it, it can be such small things, though, as well, um, because your experience of life is very important. Life is very short. But when you receive a life-threatening diagnosis life then becomes a lot shorter for you. So you that's kind of how you feel. Well, that's how I felt anyway. Um, and I, I just thought, I really need to make a conscious effort now because I've let life happen. And now I need to make sure that I do something with my life because I nearly didn't have it. So I've just recently been to Stonehenge it's one, it was on my bucket list. So I, was just, I need to go. I need to go. And I had a great time. And I really loved it. I was about to say, I've heard it's not great. <laughs> I loved it. This it's the most peaceful spiritual place. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I really loved it. It's, it's things like that. Going to make pottery with my grandchildren. Mm. That's quite a small thing. But for me, that would mean the world. Well, to have grandchildren, is it means the world. So to have a bucket list, I think, is really important anyway, whether you've had a life-threatening diagnosis or not. Yeah. Because life happens and you kind of don't make time for you. Life is too busy. There's a lot of work and not very much play. And that's kind of like how life seems to, to go. It's very busy, very fast-paced. So I think that people should be setting, setting time aside. Yeah. I think in that film as well, a couple of the things you mentioned, they actually do quite well. So the Morgan Freeman character has worked, he's meant to be like absolute genius. Mm. Um, and is, But the, the story is he spent all this time working to pay for the family yeah. um, and not really enjoying himself enough. Um, but they take two very different approaches to what they want to put on the bucket. So I think one of them is witness something majestic. Yeah. Um, and then Jack Nicholson says, oh, you've got to write completely different things to that and want to do all kinds of different things. And actually, I quite liked the idea that a bucket list or just generally enjoying your life and making the best of it is what you want to do. Yeah. There is no right answer to it. No, it's there what isn't. the two of you. And you kind of have to do what you want to do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to take someone along the journey, some maybe do something that they want to do that you wouldn't really want to do, but do it because mm. you're with them on the yeah. journey. And but by the same token, they do the same for you. Mm. So, but I, I, like, I think it's important to have that time. I like to do the idea that bucket list films could inspire people 
to maybe live life better before they were diagnosed with something yeah. if they were going to be. I hope them, I don't know. But then again, I've watched them and it's not really had that impact on me, so I don't know. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Yeah. I'd like to, I would like to focus less on work and do more fun things. So I'll think about that. <laughs> oh, I'm learning something today. There's a lot of value in it. Sure. <laughs> so what are the... Going back to My Sister's Keeper, mm-hmm. there was quite a few themes within that one book slash film that kind of were interesting. One I was thinking about was the whole idea of ownership over your own body. Yeah. And it come up, it was the other one we talked about earlier, Children, the children Ch- Act. The Children's Act. Um, yeah, so the Children's Act is a film, um, it's, it's based around the law, which I'm Try not to bore everyone with it too much. <laughs> I found it really interesting. Um, but the Children's Act, which established that the rights of the child were paramount, basically, uh, which was first in the UK mm-hmm. for international law. It didn't happen anywhere else. Um, and the thing that was really interesting about this in this film was a refusal to have treatment. So the child and also the parents of the child were refusing to have uh, a blood transfusion because of religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the story, the judge goes on to order the fact that they should have treatment, and then this child survives and wants to then follow the judge around. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting story, mm-hmm. and it certainly raises some very, very interesting ethical issues, um, which maybe we should save ethics for another podcast. Um, but the idea of the portrayal of the story is really quite interesting because it's a very, very um, difficult kind of topic to yeah. handle in a story. But really, a really good thing to bring up and, and put out into the limelight, really, and for, to make people aware. I think it's really important. It made me think about how hard... So you think probably think about this in the context of terminal illness, but making the decision not to have treatment anymore, like uh, Kate, the girl with leukemia in My Sister's Keeper did, what that must be like to make that decision. That's what that's what made it made me think about. Yeah, one very, one of the really interesting things from the film is the difference between a child choosing to consent to treatment mm-hmm. and a child choosing to decline treatment and the presumptions of the law in the differences between the two of those. Um, If you haven't seen it, I really would recommend going and watching Mm, The Children's Act. I thought it was a really, really good film. Um, I must say I enjoy legal-related stuff, Um, so maybe I'm skewing it, but I I thought Emma Thompson was really good in it as well. She's great. Oh, she's great in everything. I'm sure there was one other thing I wanted to mention about that. Oh, the and the fact that Kate in My Sister's Keeper is has a terminal illness, mm-hmm. it, and apparently it can't be. Is that right? I'm not sure. I'm thinking about it. I'm pretty sure she at some point is told that it's a terminal illness, but most most people in all the films I could find were dying or had terminal illness or were told it was untreatable or various ways of saying that. And is it wrong that we always focus on the people that are dying? I mean, you've already kind of covered this, but nowadays not everyone is dying, it's fair to say. I found it really hard because 
with you know and we have had this discussion already had i really taken on board all of the films i've watched and the books i've read and you know all of those things when i received my diagnosis i would have thought i'm going to die mm. i'm going to die i mean as it was i it obviously didn't sink into that point but you know i, I was i am going to fight it and do my absolute best but Interestingly, you said about children, that it, it's, it seems to be related to children. That was my first assumption. Well, I'm 42. How, how do I, how? Mm. This, you know, leukemia affects children, doesn't it? That was my assumption based on what I had seen before. Mm. So it's, it's really difficult because you, when you see these things and you read these things about people dying, how are you supposed to have hope? How are you supposed to be positive? Yeah. Now, one of the other th- things that's quite interesting about health-related or cancer-related films having so much death in them mm-hmm. is actually most films have happy endings. Yeah. So I don't know whether this is just my personal guess. I've got no idea. Do, are they doing it to kind of combat the idea that all films have happy endings? So they deliberately pick ones where they don't have happy mm-hmm. endings. But I would totally agree. There's a there's a overwhelming majority that end very, very badly, which, yes, people from leukaemia can die from leukaemia, but equally... Of any cancer. Yeah, but but equally, people can live. And the story... Yeah, again, I'm struggling to think of an example of a storyline where somebody's diagnosed with leukaemia and then does well. Mm. Yeah, well, there was... There's a Netflix show... um, I think it's aimed at teenagers. It's about a teenager, certainly called Alexa and Katie. And I watched a couple of episodes and then I looked online for reviews and the feedback from that is it's too positive. She just gets on with her life. And I'm like, it. it I, I feel like people want it both ways sometimes. Don't you think? I, I, I get it. If you put out a storyline that's all positive, then people who've had a bad experience will think, that's not reflective. If you put out a story that's all negative, people who've had a good experience will think. Uh, but even the films where, so the bucket list, which again, I don't think is about leukemia, but one of them does, one of them dies, one yeah. of them does well. So I'm going to watch it now. I'm <laughs> well, sorry. But one of, the, one of the problems being, again, they do that quite a lot. So even if the main protagonist yeah. of the story does well, one of their friends has to die. Yeah. Um, so that they can do the you've coped with death angle and they've done yeah. the, the positive happy ending. They die about half an hour before the end of the film. And you, you go, oh, well, you know it's not the end. There's half an hour of the film left. <laughs> and you're going, you know, you know you're not going to end on an unhappy note like that. Yeah. Um, and, and, e- and even then, and this is another one that's not really a topic, but someone dies and then they have a completely false positive of how we're all happy about something 10, 15 minutes later as if we should forget that the main person in the story is just dying. Yeah. They're kind of using it. As, it's, it's, it's bizarre, really. They use the person with leukaemia um, to make the, the other person better mm. or to, you know, to enlighten this person. To, why does that person have... Surely, you know, living through it would be a positive message why can't it be about the person with leukemia? Why can't it? Why can't it have a happy ending? Why can't we go through all of this treatment and have a transplant and, you know, and all of the horrific things that come with that and come out at the other end 
ta-da, here I am. Why can't that happen? And you go on and you have grandchildren. Some Hollywood blockbuster. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, it's really, really hard to watch these things because I'm, I'm thinking, well, that's not remotely reflective of my story or most of the people that I have met along the way. Not all of them, granted, but most of the people that I have met along the way. Because research is so amazing now that we are living longer and we are, you know, it's, it's an effective treatment now and we are living. Mm. So I'm going to argue, I totally agree with your point, but I'm going to argue the converse just for That's, the point of the yeah. podcast. One example that they did quite well was War in the Blood. Yes. Um, so um, I, I agree with your point for the majority, <laughs> but they did, again, for, it's about car T therapy. Yeah. And the sciences, and they follow the stories of two and people going through. We discussed it in the previous podcast. We have so. If you pause here and go and listen to that one, <laughs> um, but again, spoiler alert: they both die. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think one of the things we said in the podcast was we both actually quite liked the the fact that they have taken the negative story in that mm-hmm. example because pretty much everything else you see about party in the media is hugely positive, yeah, yeah. which again is very promising. But at the moment, the numbers. Of eligible patients are very, very small. Well, there has to be a balance. Exactly. So it, I don't. I think that's maybe what we're getting at. Rather than saying we don't like all of the people dying mm-hmm. in these stories, what mm-hmm. we want to see is a balance yeah. in the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we're quite. Happy, well, I'm personally quite happy to see in a storyline some people. But every dying outcome is does. represented. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I maybe we're being too harsh on the one of the people, one of the friends has to die in the storyline because mm-hmm. statistically, yes, probably. Yeah somebody in the storyline does um but it's maybe where the focus of the story is rather than on some of their experience whether that's having a transplant and then doing well the story never happens of living with the transplant yeah. that's what we're missing that's the kind of accurate representation that might be the happy ending and then you never see the other half of the story yeah so play <laughs> devil's advocate again <laughs> um but some people might argue that it might not be the role of fiction, films, TV, books to represent reality. What would you say to that? I would say they are wrong. I would say they are wrong <laughs> um, also. So one at university, one of the modules I studied a law degree. One of the things I studied was law in literature and film. Um, and yeah, that actually sounds sound, quite interesting. It, what, that what, sound interesting. Watching films on a Friday morning from nine till twelve. <laughs> Did you watch a few Good Men? I didn't go to any of them. <laughs> I watched the films at home, like any sensible person would do. Uh, but anyway, the point the point being, um, if you take something like jury trials, yeah. we you aren't actually allowed to do research about jury trials. You can't. You're legally not allowed to know what happens in the jury room. So the only way they can study it is by setting up fake trials. But the, the reason I mention it is that actually all most people know about jury trials is what they've seen in the film. Very few people will have been involved in a jury trial. Very few people will know anything about the legal system before you get involved in it. Um, and there's all kinds of academic literature going on about portrayal of law yeah. in films and literature. You, I, I have, certainly haven't seen the same kind of stuff happening about leukemia and whether or not the portrayal of leukemia in the media See, makes the same difference to do a, a search of actual rather than just reading wikipedias of films which i don't always do at work uh i actually tried searching the academic literature 
of representations of cancer in fiction. And I couldn't really find much. There's very little work done on it. And you're right, it's important if that's the only way people are actually getting their information about it, unless they've got a personal connection. Well, I think that the, the two very interesting points are there's different audiences. Mm-hmm. So there's the, um, what, well, so there's a patient advocate for melanoma who calls people who haven't got cancer, they're not yet diagnosed, which I absolutely think is a brilliant term. Yeah. I hear um, cancer muggles all the time. Muggles for everything. But but people who have not themselves been affected by cancer, it's very rare that no that people don't know anybody. Mm. Um, even if you don't know a close family member, you statistically must know some, yeah. or know of somebody who has been affected by cancer. But I think because it's so easy to not be involved and to just tangentially know if mm-hmm. if it's anyone other than a close family member. Film really does play such a big portrayal. When else do you sit down and pay attention for two hours to yeah. a, the storyline? And particularly, you see it all obviously condensed into such a short time. So it really is quite important. But then also the one Sam mentioned about people who have been diagnosed, the emotional impact it can have watching some of those things, and but also some of your annoyance of... <laughs> You trying to tell other people what your experience has been like, you're combating the false perception they have from having seen it, yeah. mm-hmm. something that's totally unrealistic. Because I, I got, when I was diagnosed and I said I had leukemia, I got the face. I got the... There's nothing more annoying than that because that's, that's people's perception of your diagnosis. And, and, and that's, you know, what's your prognosis? And well, I'm I'm going to live. Mm. There is no two ways about it. I'm going to give this my best shot. That's the way it's going to be. But they'd had this assumption that that's it. It's a done deal, and that's because of what they've seen, what they've read, what they've heard. And I think one of the challenging things about it is sometimes the films can, in some ways, be so accurate. Mm. And then in other ways, they've got a preconceived storyline that they want to tell yeah. to create drama. Yeah. The purpose of film is entertainment. It's not to, it's a performance, it's not to, isn't it? You have got to make it interesting. It doesn't need to be a documentary. <laughs> um, but I, I think a lot of the time the balance falls too far the wrong way. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Well, so I will be careful how much outspoken I am. Um, but BBC did... And yeah, so Casualty did a is Casualty BBC. Yes. Yeah. Um, Casualty did a a storyline recently about MDS um, progressing to AML, um, and they did send us a copy of the script to look at and comment on before they made any of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I must say this, but I haven't actually watched any of the episodes. But Sam, Sam, Sam watched. I've watched, watched them. Yeah. You can comment. Um, but. <clears throat> My problem with what they were doing there was the leukemia was not the storyline. Yeah. The leukemia was sort of related, but everyone's perceptions of the leukemia would have been skewed Mm -hmm. by a storyline that, well, you you can tell us more what happened. I I think I know what happened, but you can, you can explain. So it's, it's about a a young boy. He's 15, I believe. Um, And uh, he's had, he had MDS when he was 10 he knew that he had progression. Um, so he decided that he was going to rebel. 
and he 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 brought a friend along with him, a girl who had very strict religious parents, and they decided that they were you know just going to do some rebellious stuff, you know, smoke and drink, and break into warehouses and things like that. So they broke into this warehouse and. Well, they're playing on the train carriages in casualty. They're always breaking into yeah. So they broke onto the <laughs> broke into this this warehouse and the train carriages there, and they were jumping the carriages, and he fell, and he cut his leg, mm. and um, then it sort of goes on, and his jeans are literally soaking wet with blood, and the girl said, "You know, we need to go to hospital." So he goes to hospital. And um, they're trying to figure out why he's bleeding so much. Do you, ha- you know? Do you have hemophilia? It's all those kind of things. And um, because he knows, he kind of keeps it back a little bit. And then he does tell them he's, he's had MDS, and then that's it. Then it kind of goes on to right. We need to test this and this. And it's it was a completely accurate route. Everything was completely accurate. And like for me, the key message that I got from it was early diagnosis is key. That was what I got from it because eventually with all of the other storylines that were going on around it, and there were quite a few storylines going on around it that kind of detracted from this, this boy who had leukemia, he died in the end, but it was, it was kind of like, you know, yes, I can see the message. I do understand. Um, and, and at the risk of being too outspoken, it's 2019. Mm. So I found that really, really hard you know yes okay early diagnosis is key yes he did know that it was progressing no he didn't do anything about it he could have spoken up he knew that he was basically doing a bucket list not really rebelling but I just found that really hard mm-hmm. in the end that he died what was the bit that but there were it? far too many storylines going on around it yeah. that detracted from That's the fact the that he had leukemia so the challenge I think this is personal perspective rather than speaking on behalf of leukemia care the challenge I had with it was, yeah, it wasn't about the fact that he had. It was, so he he has, he was unwell before and then it progressed. Yeah. I mean, it's it's casualty, so it all has to happen in A&E. Yeah. Which, for the diagnosis, makes sense after that. The emergency route, yeah. Um, it's coming up with reasons why it's got to happen in A&E. Um, if, I, I, I get you've got a bit of artistic license, that's fine. Yeah. But you do have to make sure the things you're saying are both accurate, but also putting across the right message. So I'm, I'm quite glad that you got the message of early diagnosis yeah. and that that does come across. I'd be interested, to, if someone's listening to the podcast or whatever, send us a message. I'd be quite interested to see whether people, anyone else got the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that come across to everyone or did you, you already have that message and yeah. so you kind of picked it out? Or, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting. So while I was researching generally for the podcast i came across a news article uh, uh i think it's the daily express or something a girl who said that my sister's keeper led to her being diagnosed so there's going to be a slight positive to it, well it's an awareness message isn't it mm-hmm. it's an awareness message these very vague symptoms that i mean i know that i was definitely one of those people that put it down to a hundred and one things yeah that was not even remotely related to cancer um and it's just saying you know if you have this and this and this together you need to go and do something about it so i could see the message i could understand the message it was just there was just too much going on and how is this relevant how is this relevant Mm -hmm. what why where does this actually fit in it was yeah difficult it was difficult to watch on awareness raising then 
Are films well, helping that aspect? Well, so so my answer would be yes and no. Um, so yes, because clearly the number of people that go and see My Sister's Keeper mm-hmm. are fault in our stars. As we said before, My Sister's Keeper has Cameron Diaz and it. it's going to reach more people than we are <laughs> as a charity. <laughs> That's just the way of the world. (laughs) Yeah, if you're listening, please come and join in. Um, But so clearly the numbers you can reach from that perspective, and if the message can be told accurately, Mm. clearly it's a great outreach mechanism. Mm. Um, So obviously we're in October. We've just finished the spot leukemia campaign that we did in September. Media work is a huge, important part of that. Yeah. Purely because the numbers of people who get reached by the media are big. But you do have to, this is where the no comes, you do have to make sure it's accurate. Mm -hmm, Um, An inaccurate awareness story, in my view, is probably worse than not doing the story in the first place. It'll do more damage, won't it? Um, And that that, that is one of the things about working with films, stories, whatever, and also the media. They have a story to tell as well. Um, And you do have to make sure you're accurately included in this. It's not an interview and then someone goes and prints something because you then have no control over the context. And I think context is so important. It is. Um, To to be fair to BBC and also the people making these films, usually the things they say are not incorrect. They're just out of context. We wanted to be balanced. I did find a Coronation Street storyline that was slated by Cancer Research UK. So ITV do as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean... Um, I don't think we can have an organisational viewpoint on whether the BBC is better than ITV or not. Says there are other TV channels. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not sponsored by anyone, including whoever I joked it was earlier. Um, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. But so it's, not, it's not bashing anybody as a particular... But there is a balance between being dramatic yeah. and clearly you don't want to go into the minutiae of everything that happens. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the big things waiting for hospital appointments. We can't do a three-hour film. You can just, just sit and wait for a hospital appointment. Um, but you can give an element of the idea. And they, they, I mean, they do that in all kinds of films with the ideas of like, you walk along the street and the seasons change behind you yeah. to indicate the passing of time. Yeah, they, have, they have tricks to get through time passing. You can mm-hmm. do in a waiting room with the clock moving forward and, yeah. and staring at it. They can put the message across. Yeah. But those aren't the bits you see in it. And, and, and to be fair, it's a lot, you don't see that in a lot of the clinical discussions either. The, the actual day-to-day of what patients experience is something, and that's why a lot of patient organisations exist mm-hmm. and get involved in things to make sure that's put across. Um, so I really would encourage anybody who is making things to do what the BBC did and reach out to people yeah. and make sure Definitely. that the groups are involved in the development of the storylines. And we all love TV and films, so we're not going to ruin the storyline on purpose, are we? We're always going to be realistic about what can be done and what can't be done, like you said. The last thing I wanted to... We should probably wrap up. We've been rambling about this for a while. But, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about was soaps in particular, because I came across a forum where there was a, an argument going on about whether... Soaps are kind of notorious for being quite depressing and always showing them at the bad side of life. I don't watch them anymore. I used to watch them when I was at home with my parents. But there was a lady saying, why does cancer come up so often 
in these things and there was another person other people were saying yeah I find it really insulting as someone who's had cancer that's always depressing it's always sad that you use them in certain ways and we're thinking about whether people have a different standard of soaps than they do to films in terms of they expect soaps to be more reflective of real life because that's the point of them are they holding them to different level so the interesting thing about soaps is the amount of time you have to tell a story. Yeah. Um, so it should be better at it if it's a developing storyline. Yeah, I think the the one off storyline where somebody gets whether it's cancer or some mm. other health condition and then disappears in that episode, which is quite often used to get rid of characters. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think is is a good thing. I understand why they do it. They've got to get rid of characters, fine, but they'd be better as a storyline if they mm. can do. The developing storylines where they put it across, in some cases, months, can give a really good opportunity to, again, reach loads of people and properly tell some of these storylines. Is it the accuracy, would you say, that annoys you rather than the fact it's always mentioned? It does annoy me a little bit because I do do watch some of these storylines and I'm just like, hmm, it's not really right though, is it? Mm. That's not really an accurate representation of what happens. And it's and I don't think I don't think they're doing it wrong. I just don't think that they're really thinking about how they're doing it. Yeah. It's just, you know, they're trying to put a message out there. Obviously they are. The stars who who take part in these storylines work with charities, work with patients. So they try and represent the and I understand all of that, but Sometimes you can see that there's a little bit of a hole. You're just thinking, okay, but that would be there now, or that wouldn't happen. Is it normally things that you think would be easily solved by just like a scene or yeah, just, just an extra just little that, detail? Yeah, just to answer the question. Yeah, it just got me thinking. So they are it's quite a different medium. So I just don't think it's a whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, to your comment about do they come up too much? I don't actually necessarily think they do. No. Um, particularly because of how many different types of cancer there are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know lots of people who work for small cancer charities who are saying, I would love it if someone would do a story mm-hmm. and give us an opportunity to tell the story of yeah. this. Um, and so I don't think it happens too many. I mean, statistically, one in two people will get cancer mm-hmm. um, at some point in their lifetime. 330,000 people diagnosed with cancer each year. This happens quite a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, Coronation Street, to pick one of them, mm-hmm. is a very unlucky street to live on. Uh, but <laughs> Albert Square is also oh. a very unlucky square <laughs> to live on. Um, but but you, uh, you are getting... It's, it's, again, it's just taking out the bits of mm-hmm. life where things don't happen. Yeah. Most of the things that happen are not necessarily unrealistic. It's just lots of things happening in a very short mm-hmm. space of time. Um. So I don't have I don't have a problem with them being with them telling cancer storylines all the time. I, I mean, think it should be in the forefront of yeah. people's minds. Yeah. I, think, so, I think they should yeah. be more in, vigilant. Someone in Coronation Street should probably always have cancer. If we're being yeah. stati- someone on the street, it might not be a main storyline. But represent line. a different cancer every time, not but not the main ones, if you like. More mm-hmm. the more obscure cancers. Yeah. yeah, well, take perhaps the chronic perspective mm-hmm. of leukemia and have somebody living with CLL, for example, yeah. over five years of the soap. Mm. and occasionally you could could pick it up you could tie that into if you're going with the typical 
soap, divorce line. You could tie that into the stress on relationships and stuff. The, the, the bread and butter of soap storylines mm-hmm. could be tied into what it's like to live with mm-hmm. a chronic leukemia very easily and still make an interesting storyline. Well, I wouldn't watch it because I don't like soaps, but I'm sure everyone would think it's an interesting storyline. And that's the thing is, leukaemia does affect all parts of your life. These stories can and should put that into the public perception because we do, we want people to talk about this and we want it to be normalised so that people living with these conditions can talk about them. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's where, and I think Sam said it best at the beginning, somebody comes up to you and has an inaccurate perception you're then trying to counteract that perception rather than starting from like a clean slate yeah. and saying, this is what it's like. Yeah. You're fighting against some complete misconception that's just... Mm. And, and we can't just blame the media for this. Okay. And we certainly can't just blame films or books. No. Um, but they but, will have a role to play because people watch a lot of TV and films and stuff mm-hmm. these days. We're surrounded by this stuff. They all yeah. definitely have they, they could have had an experience themselves in their family years and years and years ago when there wasn't the research that we have mm-hmm. now and you know the, the treatments that are available now that are, that, you know extending our lives um you know that didn't happen it was it was effectively it was a death sentence in you know years ago it was so that that may be their perception of it because they've been through it but it's that's not the case now it's you know it can be a very different story now. Yeah, and I th- I think probably the key part of what we've been saying throughout is they have a responsibility mm-hmm. to be accurate. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have a responsibility to to tell people the correct perception. Yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with them telling the stories, but do it accurately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's rounded the podcast up nicely. So, thank you guys for chatting about films and TV. It's been really good fun and. Um, Listen out for the next podcast, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk, or call our helpline 08088 010 444. See you next month.